This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why the new equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how the new equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. If you have depression that is seriously affecting your life, a new clinical trial called Recover is looking for people who have struggled to find helpful treatment. Participants will receive an FDA-approved therapy called Vagus Nerve Stimulation, and all study-related costs will be covered. To join this study, you must be at least 18 years old and currently depressed with your depression having lasted at least two years or recurred several times. You must also have tried at least four types of antidepressant treatments and not found them helpful. For more information and to see if you might qualify for the Recover study, please visit recovervns.com. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. All Hit Radio Welcome to the X-Zone A place where fact is fiction And fiction is reality Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. And yep, after all these years, we're still coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find uh, the programming we have available for you 24 7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, just go to www.xzbn.net. And as always, we're coming to you around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and iHeartRadio. My guest this hour is Benjamin Radford, and you might be saying, who is Benjamin Radford? Well, he's the deputy editor of Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine, a great publication. I love reading it. A research fellow with the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry author of over a thousand articles on a wide variety of topics, including urban legends, the paranormal, critical thinking, and media literacy, author of eight books, board games, and the list will go on and on and on. If I kept on talking about it, we wouldn't get to talk to Benjamin. So, Benjamin, welcome to the X-Zone. Great. Thanks for having me on. You know, uh, you and I were talking before we went to air, and uh, Joe Nickel, you know, when I was yep. at uh, CKTB in St. Catharines, Joe would uh, take the drive over. Uh, if my memory serves me correct, there was always a dinner involved there. I'm not sure. But uh, <laughs> we had a great time, and he he brought to the, our show the important work that PSYCOP did, Skeptical Inquirer, and you know the work that you and other members perform, because once again, during the discussion before air, it's a madhouse out there today. You know, if you've got, what is it, a 699 for a website, 
You can call yourself mm. anything, and and people will assume that you're an expert and take you down the garden path. And then the truth has to set in. And I and you know the work that you do, and your other fellows at the uh, Skeptical Inquirer, as well as the uh, Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, do a great job. And uh, you guys are needed now more than ever. Well, thank you. I I, I appreciate that. It's uh, as you can imagine, the, the nature of the work that we do isn't always uh, welcomed by people. We, we uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on your point of view, sometimes end up debunking. Uh, I, I don't consider myself a debunker. I consider myself an investigator. Right. It just so happens that oftentimes I do end up debunking claims, not because I, I hate them or I'm mean, but because they're not true. Um, but, you know, as, as a matter of fact, you know, we end up debunking various claims, everything from occasional ghost reports to lake monster sightings to psychics and uh, alternative medicine and things like that. And so uh, we we certainly get our fair share of people who are not pleased with a, a, a bit of a critical inquiry. But I we, we also get a lot of uh, fans and people who support us. And we, we we very much appreciate that. You know, UFOs were big going back to, I guess, the 70s. Yeah, yeah 73, that's when the X-Files started. You had all the other television shows that were kicking in on the paranormal uh, because of the cash cow effect. You had all these sightings all over Canada, the United States, uh, Brazil, Mexico. Why anybody would like to land a UFO in Brazil? Beyond me, I don't know. I can say the same about Mexico, except they've got great tequila there. You know, that kind of dies down. Then you have the men in black, that dies down. Bigfoot, that kind of dies down. It seems that everything in the paranormal, you know, is cyclical. You know, it just comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes in waves. It is. Yeah, that's, it's, you're exactly right. It's sort of old wine and new bottles. Yeah. And uh, in, in skepticism, we call it the rubber duck syndrome. Uh, where you know we, we, you have a claim that you think is pretty thoroughly debunked, say mm -hmm. astrology or you know psychic detectives or something, and everybody put, pretty much agrees that well there's nothing to it. And then sure enough, wait five or ten years, and some, there's some new hit show that's pu putting these things out there as true. So it's a uh, it's the unsinkable rubber ducks. The unsinkable rubber ducks. One of those topics that that used to be very frequent are the chupacabras. Now is it chupacabra or Chupacabras. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's sort of uh, it's it's either or both. I okay. use chupacabra singular. Uh, of course, chupacabra means goat sucker in Spanish, um, and it's it's sort of a portmanteau made up word anyway. <laughs> so it's basically take your pick. I I I use chupacabra just because it's more common, and frankly, it's one less one less s I have to pronounce. Well, plus it doesn't sound as bad as goat sucker. <laughs> Do not Google that, folks. I promise you, that's that is that is a road to ruin. Uh, depends on who you are, I guess, and what you're looking for in life. Uh, what what is the the origin of the of the famed goat sucker? Well, you know, it's fascinating. Um, originally, uh, the reason I got interested in, in looking into it was that, you know, I had previously done research into you know, a, a wide variety of claims, as, sure. as you mentioned. In fact, I did many uh, in Ontario. Joe Nickel and I investigated um, crop circles and uh, stigmata and other, other, other interesting things up there in Ontario. Yeah, we've got um, good beer stores. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, love the beer store. That and <laughs> Ikea and, oh, yeah. uh, and, the, and the Tim Hortons, man. I, I couldn't get enough of that. Um, but no, I, I, you know, part of it was, you know, I had done research into mm -hmm. into crypt, what we call cryptozoology, right. which is basically 
uh, hidden creatures, mostly, you know, the best known are probably Bigfoot, the Loch Ness Monster. Uh, of course, Canada has, um, many people don't know this, but actually Canada has more lake monsters than any other uh, country in the world. That is true. Yeah, you've got uh, Champ and Ogopogo and Memphrey and, uh, and uh, over in uh, over Newfoundland, you have uh, Cressy and Lake Crescent, which I investigated a couple years back. Love Newfoundland, by the way. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. But so I, I was fascinated by these these sort of terrestrial animal mysteries. Um, and I had I'd done a fair amount of research into Bigfoot. And, of course, Joe and I co-authored a book titled Lake Monster Mysteries, investigating uh, mysterious uh, creatures around the world. But there was one creature that was really rising in prominence, um, and that was the chupacabra. And it sort of it got on my radar for a couple of reasons. One is I speak Spanish, and so I could pronounce it. <laughs> so that was, that was a plus <laughs> right there. Um, but also what intrigued me was that it's a vampire. Uh, you know, Bigfoot's not a vampire. The Mothman is not a vampire. spring Jack isn't a vampire, etc. But the chupacabra, by definition, in its name is goat sucker because it's known to uh, said to prey on on goats and chickens and cattle and things like that. And so that was really what intrigued me about it was was you have this 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 p- potentially real or mythical beast, you know, who, who knew at the time uh, that would presumably be leaving uh, bloodless bodies everywhere. And so that was really what sort of got it on my radar was here was this very well-known creature, probably second only to Bigfoot, maybe tied with the Loch Ness Monster, that was widely reported around the world. Uh, and yet, it was this vampire, and it was presumably sucking the blood out of these things. And so, um, you know, it, I was just so intrigued by that idea. And plus, there had been a couple uh, sightings and reports in my home state of New Mexico in, in the southwest. And so I said, well, hey, if, if someone else isn't going to research it, I guess I will. What kind of evidence, if any, is there that such an animal does exist? Well, you know, when, when you're looking at, at, at cryptozoological figures, uh, the vast bulk of the evidence is eyewitness testimony, right? This is, um, this is what most, the, most of what's out there. So, you know, for every Bigfoot print, for every Bigfoot video or, or uh, photograph or what we call blob squatch, they're usually pretty blobby, <laughs> uh, for every one of those, you have dozens or hundreds of sightings and eyewitness right. reports. Uh, and it, it's the same case with the chupacabra. So you had, um, you know, the, the, the bulk of the evidence is somebody saying, I saw something um, in the darkness uh, or something weird happened. And what's interesting about the chupacabra is that oftentimes the chupacabra's presence uh, is inferred. That is, no one, nobody actually saw it. Um, and this is one of the things that I, I first realized when I, was, when I started beginning researching the mystery uh, for my book, Tracking Chupacabra. Uh, was that I would I would read these reports saying oh the you know even even news reports would say you know oh there's hundreds and hundreds of sightings of the chupacabra and I said well this is this is great let's let's you know let's 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 interview eyewitnesses sure. let's find out but what you find is that when you when you peel back the the uh, when you peel back the label there is that many times people aren't reporting sightings per se what what'll what'll happen is that um, a farmer, say in Texas or or in in New Mexico or so in Puerto Rico or te- or Mexico, will find uh, animals and livestock, say goats or chickens or something that mm-hmm. that have been attacked and they appear to have had the blood drain out of them, and they will assume the chupacabra must have been there, and so you know so when you see these oh there's hundreds and hundreds of sightings, 
they're not sightings. They're, they're, they're reports, and many of them are just sort of assumptions that, well, what else could it have been? And, of course, <laughs> therein lies the rub. Sure. Benjamin, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our uh, first break for this hour. Exxon Nation, Benjamin Radford is our very special guest, www.benjaminradford.com. And the topic, for now anyway, is the chupacabra, the goat sucker. Mind you, if it possibly sucks the blood out of other animals, how come it isn't called the dog sucker? You know... Well, Let's not get into I, that because I'm going I'm down. Actually, no, I actually have an answer for that. It's an interesting question. All right. Let's talk about that when we come back. Here we go. Benjamin Radford and I will be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, don't go away. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simultv, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simultv. Simultv offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at SimulTV.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. 
To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Benjamin Radford is our special guest this hour, www.benjaminradford.com. All right, Benjamin, why isn't it called a dog sucker? <laughs> well, th- th- that's actually an interesting question. Um, I, I've given this some thought. I think part of the answer that the reason the, the name Chupacabra uh, stuck was one that, frankly, it's, it's fun to say. I mean, let's just be honest, Chupacabra. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's alliterative. It rolls off the tongue, especially uh-huh. if you speak a little Spanish. You can you can trill your R's. Um, another reason is that uh, some of the first accounts um, that were claimed to have been victims of the chupacabra were in fact goats. Right. Um, and so that sort of latched onto it. And, and also, um, you know, if you, you could, it could be like a you know a, a chicken sucker, pollo cabra, but that just it just doesn't sound as much fun. Um, okay. Oh. Uh, Oh, my little chupacabra, you make my heart sing. You know, you're right. It does sound good. Um, has, anyone, has anyone ever tried to make the connection between the chupacabra and cattle mutilations? Yes. In fact, that's, uh, that's actually one of the, the threads that I followed when I was researching the book. Um, because, we, again, what, what you find with the chupacabra, originally you, you asked earlier about the evidence for it, and I'll right. sort of touch on that briefly. So, again, the, the bulk of it is... Our, our reports, and by reports, as I mentioned, I don't necessarily mean sighting, although there are a few sightings. Um, but what, what's interesting about the chupacabra is that there are no, uh, there are no photographs of it, um, even online, which is the bastion of bogus, <laughs> bogus <laughs> photographs. I mean, um, you can find one or two, but there's, if you talk to a cryptozoologist, I mean, there are no real photographs that anybody really takes seriously. Uh, so unlike Bigfoot, for example, or the Loch Ness Monster, um, there's no real photographs of it. Uh, there's no real footprints of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did examine one alleged footprint that was clearly a fake. Um, and part of the reason for that there's, there's more sort of hardish evidence for, for a Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster is that those date back decades and the Chupacabra only dates back to 1995. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but um, so that's that's one of the big keys here is is understanding uh, the the scope of the evidence and so most of it is um, is uh, eyewitness testimony and then what what happened was that rid- the, there, there are basically two different types of chupacabras uh, there is the the first type of chupacabra that emerged in the late 1990s um, really about 95 96 was a weird bipedal spiky backed um alien eyed creature um that's that was looked uh, very alien like and sort of uh, just creepy and again bipedal i remember seeing that yes yeah. yes and that that was the original chupacabra and that was cited in uh, and and reported for about five years until about 2000 and what happened in 2000 was there was a rancher in nicaragua um named uh, talavera and uh, Talavera uh, shot at uh, some animal that he believed was attacking his, his animals, his cattle. And uh, he shot at it and ran away. And one of his ranch hands uh, found a carcass that was a basically a canid carcass. So we're talking dogs, coyotes, foxes, things like that. And at that point, the chupacabra. So this was widely um, this was widely 
you know, reported the news. Oh, the chupacabra has been shot. You know, it's the first time that an actual carcass had been found. And this was this turned out to be a dog. And that's really the origin of the second type of chupacabra, which is the more modern version, which is basically a hairless dog, uh, mangy dog, cowdy fox, things like that. And so there's mm-hmm. there's two there's two distinct types of chupacabras. And I, I was actually able to sort of trace back the origin of both of them. So is it safe to say then that the the, the accounts of the chupacabra are basically an urban legend? Well, yes and no. Um, okay. You know, it, it's a case in which uh, you know th- there are you know, th- there are people who who are sincere people who are who are seeing things that they believe are the chupacabra. I mean, the, the the chupacabra phenomena is very much culturally based and socially based. Um, it primarily began well, it, it did it began in Puerto Rico in 1995 mm-hmm. and soon spread to other uh, Spanish-speaking areas. So you, it went to Mexico and 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 parts of uh, parts of Florida and Texas and and Chile and elsewhere. And so it was very much a sort of culturally bound uh, syndrome for a while until the X-Files. Oh, and there was an X-Files episode about the Chupacabra. And that really introduced it to 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 the the uh, the the, uh, the the broader population. Um, so it's it's you know the Chupacabra. It's a really fascinating story, and you know there are all these different threads. Mm-hmm. You know, before you talked about uh, the cattle mutilations, um, and and so what happened was that after after 2000, um, people began attributing dead animals, uh, particularly ones that had had bite marks on the neck, uh, which were almost certainly the result of ordinary predation, wild dogs and coyotes and things, which is not uncommon throughout the world and certainly not in this part of the world. Um, but they were attributing these, these dead animals as either victims of chupacabras or chupacabras themselves. And that changed the, the dynamics because all of a sudden you actually had carcasses. It wasn't just, hey, I saw something weird. It's, hey, here's this weird dead thing. And when you have a weird dead thing, suddenly you, ha- you can do forensic analyses. You can do genetics experiments. You can do DNA, things like that. So what did uh, – so – with all the evidence against the existence of the chupacabra, why are people still interested in it? Well, there, there's a couple reasons. One is that um, it, it's uh, it's sort of the darling of the media. <laughs> um, you know, people, it's it, it's weird. It's creepy. Uh, you know, I I am sort of the de facto chupacabra photograph recipient, and have been for for several years now. So. You know, about once or twice a month, I get somebody emailing me. He's like, hey, I saw this. Is this a chupacabra? And I'm like, no, that's that's a mangy dog. But, but th- <laughs> thanks for sending it. Uh, you know. uh, so part of the part of the reason that, that it, it, it really won't go away mm-hmm. is that um, is that because the, because the general public doesn't really have a good idea of what the original chupacabra was. Um Basically, what's happened is that over the years, basically over the past 20 years, there's been this this gradual expansion of what the word chupacabra means. Originally, it, it referred specifically to this weird creature that was first sighted, as I mentioned, in, in the second week of August 95. Um, and then it, sort of, then it, it expanded to include um, canids and dogs and things with sarcoptic mange with the hair falling out. And now today, chupacabra means basically anything weird. Like any any animal that somebody can't figure out quite what it is because it's it's you know it washed up on a beach or it's too decayed or just looks strange, oftentimes mm-hmm. they will immediately slap a chupacabra label on it, 
and you know they'll call the local news media and they'll get their they'll get their five minutes of fame. Hey, I found a chupacabra, and this is one of the reasons why the chupacabra has has legs, if you will, it, two maybe four, um, because um, people keep finding and I'm using air quotes here chupacabras to help fuel the the um, to, to fuel the interest. And of course, there are far more chupacabra reportings and sightings than there are of Bigfoot. What part does the internet play in all of this by keeping this myth alive and other myths that, you know, if it wasn't for the internet, nobody'd know about them? That's that's a great question. In fact, I would I would I would argue that the chupacabra is really um, the first internet uh, fueled monster. Um, it emerged again in 1995, and this mm -hmm. was right around the time when uh, when the internet was just getting going. Um, and you know, if had, there's one particular woman who had a sighting and I'll talk about that in a bit, but if, if her sighting had happened in 1988, um, it, it would have gone nowhere. It would have been sort of a, a footnote. Oh, here's this weird thing this lady saw, mm -hmm. you know, in, in, in Puerto Rico and it wouldn't have gone anywhere. But because the Chupacabra gained national and then international notoriety in the dawning of the internet age. Uh, it, that's, that's one thing that just made it explode everywhere because all of a sudden you had people who were, who were taking her story and her sighting and it, it was going all over the place. It was online. It was on a TV show course called Christina, which is basically sort of the, the Latin American version of Oprah. It was on the X-Files. And so all of a sudden, you know, images of the Chupacabra and, you know, sketches and, you know, Chupacabra reports and, and sightings and, and, and many sensational tabloid reportings as well were immediately available to anybody all over the world. And uh, again, the, that, the, the internet is key to understanding the, the rise and prominence of the chupacabra today. There, I, I remember there used to be reports of chupacabras being associated with UFO sightings and UFO landings. Is, is, it, is it normal for these type of legends and lures to be tied in together? Because, you know, once again, Bigfoot is now supposed to be part of the the ufo community or is it interdimensional travel or is it this is it that <laughs> like you know you deal with this on a daily basis as i do so how do you keep everything straight well you know the uh the, the connection between um between the chupacabra and and ufos mm -hmm. is actually really deep uh and really the they're, they're intertwined and the reason is this um, as I mentioned, there was one original sort of index sighting in, in August 95, and it was, a, it was by a woman named Madeline Tolentino, and I, I actually tracked her down and flew to Puerto Rico and interviewed her and got her story. Uh, and that was really the, the, the very first Chupacabra sighting, hmm. the very first case ever, like literally like ever in the world. <laughs> there were none in 1992. There were none in 1968, none in the 70s. This was the first time that anybody reported something that would, would, that would become the Chupacabra. And where the UFOs come into this, it's, it's really interesting, is that the first people to interview her, this, this eyewitness Tolentino, were UFO uh, buffs in Puerto Rico. And so basically they, they took her story, interviewed her, and they put their own spin on it. And their spin was associating it with UFOs and extraterrestrials and, and alien visitations. Benjamin, we have to take our break. Please stand by. Exonation, Benjamin Radford is my special guest of this hour. <coughs> www.benjaminradford.com 
And I'll be back after this break as we continue talking about the Chupacabra and much more here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. AVS Media You have heard of the Exxon? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God, it was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Thank you. 
Benjamin Radford is my guest this hour, ExoNation, www.benjaminradford.com. And to all of you who have been sending me um, concoctions to drink for my summer cold that I get every year for some reason, during the wintertime I am as healthy as a horse, but as soon as summer gets here, I get a cold. So to all of you who've sent me in these home remedies and these concoctions, Thank you so much, and I'm sure the people at Jack Daniels will be very happy with all the support that they're getting from you guys. Um, let me ask you a question, Benjamin. Y- yeah. you, you went and you interviewed the lady that broke the story about the chupacabra in the mid-1990s, right? Yes, August 95. How come prior to 1995 there had not been any reports of a chupacabra? Well, uh some people would argue with that, um, and they're wrong. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just be clear about that. So no, no, here's, what, here's the thing that happened. Okay. After my book came out a few years ago, because um, uh, I very clearly traced the origin of the Chupacabra to, to this one original sighting. Right. And uh, I had a couple people say, no, no, you're wrong. I, I heard about a Chupacabra sighting in, in Texas you know, in the mid-'80s or whatever else. Or mm-hmm. I, I had probably about a dozen people over the years um, some politely, some not, <laughs> tell me that I, I, I had made an error in that particular thing, and there, there was, in fact, a, a, prior, a prior existing vampiric chupacabra. Mm-hmm. And what, what you find is that there, there's two things. Number one, either they're talking about a type of bird. There is a bird, uh, a whippoorwill bird, actually, which uh, is known by a name called the chupacabra. Um, but it's not, it's not vampiric. Uh, it, the, the bird is named because the legend is that it sucks milk, not blood, mm-hmm. out of goats. Uh, so, so some people get it confused with, with the chupacabra bird. And, of course, the, the bird was known to exist. Uh, what, what wasn't known to exist was a vampiric chupacabra. That is, something called a chupacabra that was said to suck the blood out of uh, I- any animal, uh, particularly goats and, and chickens and livestock and things like that. Um, and so I've actually offered a reward, um, I've, uh, up to actually, the, I think it's currently a thousand dollars. So I've offered a, a $1,000 reward for any, any published, it has to be published. It can't be sort of, you know, my, my grandfather remembers X because I, I can't use that, <laughs> but a, a, a published verifiable pre 1990s reference to a, a blood sucking chupacabra. It can be in a newspaper. It can be in a a folklore journal, it could be in a magazine, it could be anywhere you want, but it has to be verified and published, and again, referring to a creature that sucks blood. And I have been able, unable to find anything like that, and if any of your listeners want to earn a $1,000 and and a prominent mention in the next edition of my book, and my thanks, um, they can do that. But basically, the, the very first sighting that, 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 that ever came up with the Chupacabra was, again, this woman in, in August of 95, who lived in a suburb of, uh, of um, San Juan, Puerto Rico, called Canovanas, mm-hmm. just outside of the capital. And she was the very first person to ever have sighted uh, a creature. Now, she didn't call it the Chupacabra. The, the Chupacabra was actually named by uh, uh, a radio personality uh, they were, who was joking about it on the air. And he sort of, oh, that's Chupacabra. And so that label stuck, and that's what it's called today. But she described a... Um, a, a really strange, uh, again, this was the, the original chupacabra. This was a, uh, about four feet high, um, had uh, spikes, long prominent spikes on the back, uh, is bipedal, uh, had sort of weird wraparound a, uh, sort of alien-type eyes, which either black or red, uh, three, three or four long fingers, things like that. Uh, 
Uh, and this is what she described uh, originally in 1995 that was sort of that would later sort of propel the chupacabra into the, the international consciousness. And that's basically what she told me when I inv interviewed her a few years later. What about the people who believe that the chupacabra is part of the government conspiracy? Well, that is one of the uh, origins, uh, one of the uh, origin stories. Um, uh, again, it's, it's fascinating. I keep using that word, but it really is when you start digging into it. Mm -hmm. So here, here's basically the, the, the story. So if you, if you go to Puerto Rico and you ask people there, do you believe in the Chupacabra? And if so, or you, even if you don't, we, we, of course, they, they know about the legend because it's, sure. it's, it's one of Puerto Rico's most famous exports besides their rum, which is quite good. <laughs> it is true. Let me say. Um, so there are, there are two origin stories for the Chupacabra. The first one is that it's an extraterrestrial. Again, this was partly the result of people, uh, the first people that, that, that quoted uh, Tolentino and promoted her story were themselves UFO buffs. There are people who believe that aliens were visiting the island of Puerto Rico. Right. So they were much steeped in that. So they sort of put their own spin on it. So, so, so again, the, the first origin story of the Chupacabra is that it's an extraterrestrial craft that basically the, the, the idea was that uh, uh, flying saucers came to Puerto Rico and the aliens came out and it's sort of like the Chupacabra was like a, a rambunctious dog that as soon as they opened up the spaceship, it just leaped out and was just having fun and well, it, it, had to go, it had to go to the washroom. Well, clearly, yes, yeah. that's it was looking for goats to suck. That's I mean, right. it, it's a long way from from uh, from from Uranus or or Saturn or where they're from, from Pleiades. I don't know. <laughs> So this was the uh, this was the story was that was that it was it was an escaped extra, extraterrestrial mm -hmm. being maybe like a pet or something that when when the UFOs were visiting Puerto Rico had escaped from the the, the spaceship into the El Yunque rainforest uh, which is you know just outside of the capital of San Juan so that's one origin story the second one is that the the chupacabra is the result of top-secret U.S. government genetic experiments gone wrong? Basically, a, a Frankenstein story. So the other origin is that that you know there's there's actually a, a rumor that uh, in the El Yunque rainforest, uh, deep inside the 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 the, uh, the the rainforest there, there's a hidden underground U.S. top-secret base, and they're doing you know all sorts of weird, unethical right. <laughs> sci-fi experiments, and that. Um, and that, uh, that because there's a lot of hurricanes, of course, in the Caribbean and also in Puerto Rico, that during one of the hurricanes, when it came through, and, and I think in this case it was Hurricane Hugo, had had smashed this top secret lab and it escaped. So th those are the two competing and in some ways intertwining origin stories of the Chupacabra. After how long did it take you to do all your research, first of all? I uh, I spent about five years on it, um, which you know I, I <laughs> some people look at me strangely <laughs> like why would you spend five years of your life researching that and and there's a couple answers one is that I was fascinated by the topic you know it, it was such a well known mystery creature um, and yet nobody had actually done any good credible research into it it was it was mostly just rumors and speculation mm -hmm. and mystery mongering. And and I was actually surprised when I began writing the book that nobody had I kept expecting to find somebody who'd actually done who'd brought some critical thinking to it and, and interviewed witnesses and brought some science to it. And when I realized that nobody had actually done that, I was like, well, I, I guess I'll do it. So so that's part of it. And I just the other thing is that I 
I love a mystery. I, I, I love mysteries. I love solving mysteries. I liked the intellectual challenge of trying to trying to understand what is the chupacabra. Could it be real? You know, if it's real, then where are they? Uh, where are these dead bodies that it's supposed to leave behind? If it's not real, mm-hmm. then why do people think it's real? All right. So based on the research that you've done, is the chupacabra real? It's a hard question to answer. The, the, in a nutshell, no. I, I have not found good evidence there actually is a, a vampiric, you know, blood-sucking creature that's lurking in the, in the jungles and the, in, in, in even the deserts of uh, No, no, they're, they're usually found outside the divorce room courts. <laughs> Hey-o! <laughs> uh, but no, it's a, no but, but here's the thing, though, is yeah. that, is that so, so, again, this is, this is the question, right, is, is you know, okay— after sifting through and, you know, in, in, in doing the research for my book, you know, I, I interviewed forensic pathologists. I interviewed medical examiners. I interviewed eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I interviewed Madeline Tolentino, again, the, the original Chupacabra right. witness. Uh, I went to the jungles of Nicaragua um, near the Panamanian border and spent some time in the jungles with a tracker um, who, who, you know, was asking him, you know, if the chupacabras were real, what would they look like? And so I went, I went to, uh, to Texas, uh, for a TV show called Monster Quest. Right. And, and so I did, I did a bunch of, I'm not, I'm not bragging. I just, I, I, I did, I, I crossed all the T's and dotted all my I's. And that was the fun part was sort of piecing it all together. And at the end of the day, uh, I was trying to figure out, okay, well, because there isn't good hard forensic evidence of the chupacabra, then where did the story come from? And that's what sort of led me to, to the story of the, about the vampires. Fascinating story. So what's next for you now that you've kind of got the chupacabras under control and you're offering a thousand bucks? And I'm even going to go into my pocket and throw in a $25 Tim card because <laughs> I'm a good sport. Uh, what's next for you? Well, I actually have a new book out. Um, I, I, uh, I, I think the bio that I sent you, it's my fault. I won't blame you. The bio I sent you is a little bit outdated. I now have 10 books. Um, and my most recent book is, is titled Investigating Ghosts, The Scientific Search for Spirits. And it's a, it's a science-based, evidence-based uh, book on uh, researching um, ghosts and trying to determine is there some truth behind these stories um, I actually have a chapter on Fort George. I, I have two chapters on Fort George, actually. I spend a lot of time in, in uh, Ontario and Fort George looking for ghosts and attending uh, seances and searching around there. So that's, that's my most recent book, is, uh, is looking at the, uh, all the types of evidence for, for ghosts and ghost hunting and trying to figure out um, you know, what is the best method for detecting ghosts if they exist. And, of course, why are the, uh, why are the TV ghost hunters so apparently inept yeah. At their job. All right, stand by. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation. Benjamin Radford is our special guest. His website is www.benjaminradford.com. And this is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Fort George. I remember spending a couple of nights in Fort George with, uh, with uh, what was it? Kyle Upton. That's right, Kyle Upton. He used to yes, run the I, tours there, yeah. And right. uh, we'll talk about uh, the, those nights as well as spending a night there with, uh, well, I didn't spend the night there, but Dan, uh, Don Fraser from the St. Catherine Standard did, and he had some weird stories to tell. We'll be back. Don't go away. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. 
Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Exposé Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. Exonation, um, my guest this hour is Benjamin Radford. His website is www.benjaminradford.com. Benjamin, where can people get your book on Chupacabras? They can find it. Uh, I always encourage people, if they can, to get it from their local independent bookstore. Um, as an author, that's that's where I try to go, but I know that's not always practical. Right. Uh, so pretty much any website, Amazon.com, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> they, they, they have Big a couple link. of my books there. In fact, I think they have all of them. Uh, you can also, of course, find me on Facebook, and I am also a co-host on a show called Squaring the Strange. Um, we just recently celebrated our fiftieth. Uh, po- it's a weekly podcast, right. and we did a we did a segment on Haitian zombies and the history behind those. So it's uh, I'm around in a boot. Well, it's great. 
Well, it's great having you on the show. I, I love the work that you do, and like I said, the work that uh, Joe Nichols does. And um, But let me ask you something, all right? I was going to talk about ghosts, but I had a better thought. What is your favorite topic? My favorite topic? Ooh, that's that's a good question. Um, you know, the, the, it would be easy to say Chupacabra just because I spent a good chunk of my life on it, but I'm going to say probably my favorite topic is urban legends. Um, and, and folklore more generally, but urban legends just because they're, 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 they're so, there's such a variety of them and they, legends and rumors and those sorts of things that they influence our lives in ways that a lot of people don't really recognize. We, we tend to think of urban legends as being sort of silly little things that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, people, people sort of tell us a joke and pass along. But, um, but many urban legends and, and again, rumors more broadly, um, they actually have quite a bit of influence on our on our decision making, and oftentimes they invade politics in the news media. So I would say probably uh, rumors and urban legends. Ghosts. I spent uh, many nights uh, in Fort George. In fact, I think we did a couple of live shows from Fort George when I was back at CKTB. Fort George has a lot of lore, a lot of legends. Um, Kyle Upton plays the part perfectly. Uh, yes, I remember Kyle. Yeah, but one thing I, I, I remember asking Kyle this question after uh, one of his tours. Uh, well, how did the ghost get to the location of Fort George now when Fort George was rebuilt so many, you know, so much further than it is right now? So how do these, how do these ghosts actually go along with the times? Well, uh, a great question. I would have loved to hear his answer to that. Uh, my 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 answer would be mm-hmm. that uh, ghosts are largely culturally and and psychologically proscribed. That is, you know, people will interpret ghostly activity through the prism um, through their own experiences and their expectations, right? And so, if for example, someone is at Gettysburg. And they think they see a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, they will they will assume that it must be a Civil War soldier. Right. Uh, and if there's anything long in a hand, it will. Oh, that's obviously a gun, and you know whatever else. Whereas if you see that that's that exact same figure, that same that exact same sort of shadowy, ambiguous outline or silhouette, say in Deadwood, South Dakota, it will be a gunslinger, and it will be oh that's a Wild West. You know that was a that was a you know, someone shot down by Wyatt Earp or Billy the Kid or something. Or, for example, if if it's if that if that exact same image or um, or outline is seen, for example, in the in the Deep South, maybe in, in Mississippi or something, it may be thought to be a slave. So, so it's really interesting the ways that people basically project their expectations onto their perceptions. And so that that would be my answer: is that um, in many ways we we see the ghost we we expect to see. So here we are in the year 2018, and the paranorm tourism industry is is booming. More and more uh, places to investigate are coming up where you're charged money to get in. Uh, the sale of gadgets online are, are spiking. Why is it that in such a technological age, so many people are trying to find the elusive ghost? Well, there's a couple reasons. One of them is that the they're sort of falling prey to the influence of TV shows such as Ghost Hunters and mm-hmm. Ghost Adventures and their spinoffs. 
Um, because what those those TV shows have done, I think I think Ghost I think Ghost Hunters finally I think it they ended their eleventh season of, of not finding ghosts uh, last year I think. Um, but you know one of the one of the messages that those those shows uh, provide is that anybody can do this. You don't need to be a scientist. You don't need to be an egghead. You don't really need to have a diploma or any education. Anybody with you know uh, a handheld um, you know uh, EMF detector or K two meter or even a voice recorder can go ghost hunting. And so it sort of democratized uh, ghost ghost investigations. And that's one of the reasons why it's, that's that's by far the most popular paranormal hobby in the world. Is it basically promises. Anybody, maybe you're a car mechanic, maybe you're an accountant, maybe you're a assistant professor, uh, you know, in, in some Ontario university mm-hmm. that I- anybody can do this. Um, and of course, the question is whether you're actually finding good evidence or not. What is your opinion of uh, EVPs? I um, I have uh, I, I have a whole chapter on in my in my new book, investigating ghosts, on it, uh, and it's. <laughs> It's we don't have we we could do a whole show on that. Let me tell you, there's some fascinating stuff to it. I, I think in a nutshell, my and I, I've researched EVP extensively, mm-hmm. and 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 you know different people who claim different things about it. My biggest problem with EVPs is that is that we know for certain that EVPs can be um, you know that is ghost voices and people interpreting ambiguous sounds as ghosts that can be replicated in the laboratory. Uh, we right. know this. Absolutely. There's been experiments and tests by psychologists and elsewhere. And so and so because the ambiguity of these these ghost voices and because they're so uh, so easy to sort of, you know, to basically put your own interpretation on. And we saw this actually just in the past week. There's uh, there's the uh, that that so-called debate on the Internet about whether you're hearing Yanni or Laurel. That's right. Yeah. And that this this is this is this is absolutely germane to understanding EVPs because. I mean, let's say that, you know, you have one ghost hunter uh, who records something and then you put it, you play it for two different people. And if if two different ghost hunters can hear the exact same sound and one person says it says Yanni, another person says it says it's Laurel, then yeah, how in the world are you supposed to, uh, how, are you, how are you supposed to be able to make heads or tails of this? And of course, the vast majority, the vast majority of EEPs are far more ambiguous than the sort of information we're seeing here. And so, you know, if, if I understand EVPs are very popular and, and there's lots of reasons for that, but I would just encourage anybody who believes in the validity of EVPs to do some research on it, preferably in my, using my book, but, or just do it on your own, but just don't, don't accept it just out of hand, but actually look into some of the research behind the psychology EVPs and you'll find that there's probably less there than meets the eye. The part that I cannot understand is how people say, well, you know, you have to listen to the recording after. Well, wait a minute. Where does that voice come from? Where does that imprint come from? Is it the thought transference of the person who's actually holding the recording device that is actually being recorded? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and these hard, fast people stay. No, it's voices from the other side. The, 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 the veil is getting so much thinner. There are even people who are there's these conferences now where white noise and uh, ITC. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, like, oh, people have way too much <laughs> I, time on their hands. <laughs> I know, I know. And again, it's just you know, when we think about all the ways that we can misunderstand things we hear and yeah. misperceive things. And, you know, think of, uh, of Mondegreens, that is, you know, misheard lyrics. 
uh, in you know everything from you know the Doors to Creedence Clearwater Revival right, yeah, sure. and all other music. Uh, you know, people mishear sounds and words all the time and have different interpretations. And, and of course, if that's true, which it is, then who's to say what a given ghost is even trying to say, even if somehow they could communicate, you know, using using without using uh, tongues and, and vocal cords and things like that. Sure. Uh, what is your take on the Mandela effect? Well, you know, it's... Uh, it's interesting. I, I'd need to. I haven't done any research on it specifically, mm-hmm. um, but it's. Uh, I I need to look into it more. All right. You know, I appreciate that when somebody really does know the answer when they say that. To me, that shows credibility. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's. I can't be an expert in everything, uh, but it's. Uh, you know, if if. But the, you know, there's lots of fascinating avenues of inquiry, and you know, I'm always I'm always open to uh, to looking to different uh, different interpretations. What are your final thoughts for the Exxon Nation tonight, Benjamin? First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. A great pleasure. Once again, my very best to Joe. And I love the work that you people do, not only at the Skeptical Inquirer, but at the uh, Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Well, I just want to you know, thank everybody for listening. And, uh, and I, I appreciate you having people like me and Joe and other prominent skeptics on to sort of give the other side of the coin, if you will, and uh, just, my, I would just say keep an open mind. You see, I don't call you skeptics. I call you realists. <laughs> I love it. I'll take that. <laughs> All right. Quickly, one more time, let our listeners know how they can find out more about you, about uh, PSYCOP, as well as uh, the Skeptical Inquirer. Yeah, I can, you can find uh, Skeptical Inquirer magazine on Facebook. I'm uh, Ben Radford, or Benjamin Radford, I forget which, on, on Facebook. <laughs> I'm, you can find me at uh, Squaring the Strange. Um, it's a free weekly podcast. Um, and I'm here, there, and everywhere, also on Twitter. So send me a tweet. and uh, But no, no, no chupacabra photos, please. Benjamin, take care of yourself and uh, continued success. And thanks very much for being there. Thanks a lot. ExoNation, Benjamin Radford has been our guest at www.benjaminradford.com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you're interested in 500 video games, 80 live channels of TV, movies on demand, some of the best pay-per-view venues that you're ever going to see, do me a favor. Not right now. After the show, go to www.simultv.com. I'll be back. Don't go away. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com.
Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.